Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple. And this week, I talked to Melissa Center all about crowdfunding. Melissa shares her personal journey navigating the highs and lows that helped shape her into a crowdfunding queen. She breaks down insights and intricacies of the different platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Seed and Spark, GoFundMe. She demystifies the complexities on the back end of these platforms and sheds light on the need for a strong team to help assist in the crowdfunding process. We talk about the importance of preemptive strategic planning, building genuine relationships, and doing inner work before choosing to go down this fundraising path so that one can lean into the transformative power of embracing discomfort. So many of us have embarked on the crowdfunding path in the past, or many of us are thinking about going down the crowdfunding path in the future, so hopefully this episode will make your crowdfunding journey just a little bit easier. Enjoy! Hello, Melissa Center. How are you? I'm well. Jennifer Apple. How are you? Today? <laughs> I'm I'm hanging in. I am definitely hanging in. Hanging on. Hanging in. I never. I feel obviously they mean different things, but I never know which one to use. I don't know if you ever use any of them, but I, yeah, I was just like I have to think about that for a second. Hanging on. Yeah, it's like the grip. Feels the grip that you're like, like that weird cat meme of like that cat hanging onto that tree that used to be yeah. the thing that people would send yeah the hanging on yeah and that feels like i'm i'm going to fall off yeah hanging in feels like i'm i'm in it like i'm in the i'm like a little in the weeds i'm in the process but i'm yeah. like i'm in in motion somehow yeah can you be both do you think i'm sure i'm sure you can be one or the other and at sometimes both <laughs> Yeah. I, it's usually like the hanging in, hanging on. It feels kind of the same, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I know they're not. Anyway, for anybody who does not know who you are, <laughs> who are you today? Um, hi, I am Melissa Center. I am both an actor, a storyteller, um, a crowdfunding queen, which we'll get into mm. in a second, I think. A lot of my work really centers around like the female experience and and really like, bold, visceral women's stories. Um, and I have a very interesting journey that I'm excited to discuss. I'm so pumped. Let's just dive in. What is tell us tell us the journey? Tell us the origin story. Tell us how we got here. Cool. Um, started out as an actor uh, first and foremost. That was always like in my little heart as a kid growing up in the Chicago area. Nice. Um, went to Northwestern for theater and musical theater. Very like goal oriented. And, 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 and most of the time in my life, I've always been like, I want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And, and thankfully most of that has come to fruition. That's awesome. Um, you know, failures along the way, many, but nice. like, um, so yeah, always knew that I wanted to like be a performer and love singing and dancing. And so my foundation was really on stage, mm -hmm. but I also like was a huge couch potato as a kid and like love movies and movie musicals. And so I had like these two aspects of my dreams really like in my, in my mind. And I grew up in a household that was really, um, like into cultural education and like we, mm -hmm. My parents took me to the theater and 
music and all of that. Like that was just like a part of my, the fabric of my upbringing, which is awesome. And, and Chicago is such a strong arts oh, community yeah. that my education was really, really strong. So I had a lot of opportunity to like exercise that, which is oh, like God. a huge blessing. So went to Northwestern, was a theater major, and then was in the uh, musical theater certificate program, which was kind of like a special, almost like a minor. They would audition um, the theater kids and then the voice majors and then mm-hmm portion of those people would be selected for this thing. And then I moved to New York and was auditioning a lot for musical stuff, feeling like I, I was, I was, I was working, I was getting work here and there, but you know, it's like always such a hustle, mm-hmm. players, right? Always such a hustle. I felt like in, in many ways I was banging my head against the wall and trying to get in certain rooms and feeling like I was really being pigeonholed because I'm short and five foot two. I've always looked very young. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have, um, outgoing energy. Um, so I felt like I was being boxed into this like young, plucky, like perky, ingenue thing. And it didn't yes. necessarily like align with my point of view or like mm-hmm. the depth of my spirit or my soul. So there was always this disconnect and I felt a little bit like I don't fit here. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was shifting into more like placing energy and focus on on that the like quote straight acting part of my mm-hmm. career um and finding more fulfillment in that and at the time i had been working on this like solo show with a mentor of mine um when hanman who unfortunately passed during covid but he was like a legend Sorry. in the theater world and um it was like a really amazing opportunity and it was a very serious play, an adaptation of The Giver by Lois Lowry, which is like this dystopian, you know, novel, yeah. dark world. And and I had this desire to start getting in for TV and film stuff. And I, and I felt like I was kind of like more known for musical theater stuff. And I was like, I'm a serious actress, too, like really wanting to yeah. prove myself. Um, and I came across on Craigslist uh, the misconnection section. Okay. Remember this. Yeah, of course. How could you forget? That was treasure trove. It's not a thing anymore because our world has changed. But at the time, in case you don't know, like people would post these anonymous things on misconnections on Craigslist. And it would be like, I saw you on the F train and you had purple hair and and these like great sneaks. And if it you was see, really epic and beautiful. It was epic. Epic, beautiful, strange. Beyond. Like this. And so, so strange. I came across it and I was like, this is a treasure trove. And I had already been doing so much character work with my mentor and like with the solo show that I was, I had like a template and a muscle for it. But this was so quirky and weird that it was like, I have to do something with this. So I just started to pull ones that like I found funny or interesting or strange or just like wanted to try on. And then I decided to film them. So I would like use it as a monologue and I would film it and like put on a different costume or stick it in and, you know, like have the frame be filled with the environment that represented the character and all these things. And my then boyfriend was a gaffer and like cinematographer. So he would shoot it. And it was so fun. And so I started to make like a web series before it was a popular thing to do. And it was like such a good antidote to the like kind of heavy, deep work that I was doing with Mm -hmm. this play. So it was like a beautiful, um, like compliment. And then I was borrowing a friend's camera and like kind of piecemealing things together. And I was kind of, I, I felt like I wanted more 
resources. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign. And this was like new. All these crowdfunding platforms were like brand new. So I'm like, I'm going to launch a Kickstarter and then I'm going to buy my own camera and I'm going to get pro editing software and like have just certain things so that I could step it up, you know? So I did that and it was like terrifying. Yeah. I raised, I think my goal was $8,000, which at the time for me was like so much money. Uh-huh. You know, it was like waiting tables and, um, and it was just me. So it was like, you know, so nervous to ask people for money for, for like this like silly project. Yeah. But when I get something in my mind that I want to do, like I said, with the whole Northwestern thing and just how I function, it's like, you will do this. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is happening. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I, I, you know, I am, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of people who are very supportive around me to, you know, made sure that I would be successful. And, and in my, you know, asking and stepping outside my comfort zone, like I, I ended up raising the $8,000. And then I was able to bring on like, uh, a director for the, one of the episodes and really just like expand the way I was telling stories. So I was also like teaching myself how to filmmake in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I was then invited to be uh, one of the original digital caucus members through the Writers Guild on the East Coast, which was okay. like, oh, how cool. Like, I guess I'm official now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought it was just, just an actor you know, and this gave me a lot of strength and empowerment to be like, yes, I am an actor and to walk into rooms very proudly and also be able to have conversation with producers or people who I thought like, quote unquote, had power over me. Mm -hmm. Um, But now it was like, it's such an equalizing factor. Um, And it was exciting. Uh, so I got this bug to continue in this on this journey. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I ended up moving to Los Angeles. And I knew I wanted to do more TV film work. And I also had now this motor inside me to continue to create. Yeah. Um, so I would say like a couple years in, I was in this lab context with a bunch of fellow actors, some writer directors. We would just meet on a weekly basis and like work on scenes or whatever it is that we wanted to bring to the table. We were all peers. There was no like hierarchy. We had mm-hmm. a facilitator, Roth, who started it, but it wasn't like he was our teacher. You know, it was more yeah, of a, yeah, yeah. we are figuring this stuff out. And I was just inspired by the work that I was witnessing. And I was, I really wanted to create something for us, you know, Um, I always had this love for ensemble movies, like anniversary party was always one of my favorites. And I'm like, I want to be like them when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) And so at some point, a couple of projects, a couple of theater projects started bubbling out of this. And I ended up doing a play with one of my colleagues, like in this backyard that was so magical Mm -hmm. and like invite only and all these awesome people came out. And I decided I want to make a movie. I want to make a feature film. That is a dream of mine. And with these people in collaboration, organically yeah. somehow, micro budget, you know, like this yeah. is going to be my first feature. So I, it didn't seem feasible for me to like get proper investors for something. Mm-hmm. I was just starting out. So I pitched this idea to a, a handful of my colleagues um, I pitched a couple ideas, actually, one of which was deeply personal. And I think that was the one that they connected to because it felt real. 
Yeah, exactly. And, um, so, so then one of them said, I, I'm going to help you write it because I, I had, uh, I didn't have confidence in my structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had more experience with that. So we would sit down and, and, you know, he would help me shape the story that I had in my mind and heart and match it with, you know, the, the, our colleagues were going to be specific characters within that. So like build to their strengths and then it was ready to move forward. So I was like, okay, we got to get some money to do the thing. Exactly. (laughs) And so I thought, here we go again with the crowdfunding. And I like was reluctant, but also gung ho because I really had to make this film. Like I had Mm -hmm. to do it was, you know, I had to also, it was unpacking some personal things that were, I was dealing with in my life at the time too. And my spirit just like needed to, to, to process. And this is how I do it. So I launched an Indiegogo campaign. Um, this time my goal was 20,000, which is $0 for a feature film. Yeah. Truly. $20,000 for me at the time was like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I was doing really. Um, I kind of go by instinct. I was throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what stock. I thought if I modeled my campaign after similar budget ranges that I see have been successful, like on the platform, model the perks, model whatever, all those elements that I'm seeing. Um, I had an ensemble cast. I'm like, they'll give me shout outs on social media. Click go. We've launched. I thought that that would be enough for me yeah. to garner the support. And I was like, sorely mistaken. Okay. So it was a total slog. I worked my ass off. My, poor West, who was my co-writer and then ultimately director, I was like really roping him in. Anytime contributions came in, I'm like, we're doing a video and we're thanking them like one by one. And you're sitting here with me. And he's yeah. like, oh God. But, but that's, you know, the, the gratitude of it was very important to me. It was painful to source the funds. Um, I didn't have a process. It was stressful. It was draining. Um, I ended up not quite reaching my goal, but in the process, ended up connecting with a couple of people who functioned as like angel investors. Um, So ultimately, the movie got made. Great. Which is wonderful. It exists. I'm proud of it. Um, we premiered at Dances with Films in LA. So Amazing. it was it was like such a dream come true and so exciting and beautiful. Yeah. However, I was like, never want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and now here you are as like a self-proclaimed crowdsourcing yeah. queen. Yeah. So that's where I want to like connect these dots because yeah. clearly there was like a yeah. no thank you. Yeah. So there was a big no thank you. But then flash forward, I had another project. And I was like, this has to get made. And, and this is a project, a solo show that I wrote called Marrying Jake Gyllenhaal, which is a whole other story. To <laughs> I had made a plan to premiere this at Edinburgh Fringe in 2020. Obviously, that had to change right. because Clearly of 2020. That was derailed. Mm-hmm. But prior to the world shutting down, I had put certain elements in place. And one of those elements was actually I had hired someone um, to help me with the crowdfunding process who I had met out at the um, film independent. His name is Justin Giddings, the Kickstarter guy. Yeah. And um, because I knew I was like, 
I, I know I don't have a cast to rely on. It's just me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't fail. I need help. The other way was not a way. I need a process. I need a system and like accountability, support, like take, take my credit card. I, yeah. I trusted, no, seriously, I was like, here's my credit card. Like I trusted that I was going to raise the money and be able to pay it, wow. you know, because I had to. Yeah. Um, and that was the pivotal decision for me. And then moment in so many ways, because I then learned process, implemented it. I'm a good student. So I'm like, you know, check, 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 check. Yeah. Um, ended up raising, I knew in week one of my campaign that I was going to be fully funded, which was insane to wow. me. Cause then I could focus on rehearsal and like, yeah, what happened is I ended up raising for a live streamed production of the show because of COVID we filmed it with three cameras, but it was all like in the moment, you know, switching. Yeah. So it felt like real life theater. Um, and it was an expensive undertaking. So I knew in week one, I would be fully funded. So that was a huge relief. I ended up raising over $30,000 for the project. Um, and I was like, I get it now. And then because of how th- this process really like makes you show up in a different way so consistently and and boldly and the energy behind it, then people were like, that was amazing. Can you help me? Like I've seen all these crowdfunding campaigns before where people have so many, um, there's just like a lot of stigma with like crowdfunding and Mm -hmm. they're like, how did you do that? And so then it was a very organic next step for me to start taking clients. Okay. Um, Yeah. Love this. Thank you for sharing that. I love the humility and like I couldn't figure this out and therefore I had to take the steps for myself to make sure I knew how to figure it out, own it, and then implement it, see the success in it, and then feel like I am now able to give back in the way that like somebody else had given to me. I love that full circle moment for sure. Let's break it down then if you're game to do it. Yeah. What is the difference or where are the perks and the differences between, say, like the Seed and Sparks, the Indiegogos, the Kickstarters, why you would do one of those rather than just like, you know, reaching out to somebody's CEO at their, you know, Fortune 500 company and hoping for the best? Cool. So depending on what you're trying to make, um, if you're making a film that's a million dollar budget, like you're not going to crowdfund that. Right. Because statistically... And this is part of conversations that I have. Um, I mean, in theory, you could crowdfund that, but you have to have a very special set of circumstances to like make that happen. Could you crowdfund parts of it? Yes, you could definitely crowdfund parts of it. Yeah. Anytime I'm having a conversation with like a potential client, I think most people just see the optics of it, like which is what I saw with the Indiegogo thing. I'm like, oh, if I just do this and have mm-hmm. like the pitch video and the right perks and whatever, like, but it's so much behind the scenes. It's so much behind the scenes. It's so much organization. It's so much contact prep. It's so much planting seeds and having a process of communication over time consistently, knowing how to message yourself, knowing how to make the ask, how often, you know, people are inundated with social media and half the people you post, you post stuff and only a small fraction of your audience is even going to see it at any given time. So you're thinking like, oh, I'm bothering people with my messaging, but like three people have seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It really requires like a lot of showing up, 
and a lot of direct asks. I mean, I'll give a little, I'll give a little um, anecdote. Even I, I'm on the board of the Festival of Cinema New York City, and part of my uh, responsibility as a board member was to raise a small portion of funds. Mm-hmm. And so, even like recently, I was doing some outreach, and and it was it was interesting because I was like, you know, a couple of my like colleagues, I had to ask a few times. Um, and not take it personal when either they couldn't respond or didn't or whatever. It took them a couple of times. Yeah. Um, because, you know, one, for example, like she has a new job. She was, uh, she was out of the, she was like traveling to three different places and one out of the country and used to work for the UN and this thing was happening and this thing was happening. And it's just like, you know, sure, I'll get to that, but everyone has stuff going on. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think, if had I not had the experience of like going through this or working with clients, I might be like, Oh, I'm bothering her. And like, she's, Mm -hmm. she doesn't really want to give or, you know, um, like I I feel small or, or, you know, people shrink in the face Mm -hmm. of of the ask. Um, but really it's just, our lives are busy. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to nudge people a little bit and they're over the moon to support you. It's just a matter of timing. Yeah. So it's like a little tangent. Um, in terms of I have a million dollar budget and help me find the money. Um, and I think this also pertains to the idea of having a marketing plan in place because that's really the work that you need to do for a crowdfund. Any audience that you blast out to, only a portion of those people will even like register it and click on your link to visit your page. Yeah. And then only a portion of those people will actually contribute. And in the crowdfunding space, the average contribution is going to be about $50, right? Mm-hmm. When you like from, from the smallest to the highest, that's typically a backer average. So if you're looking for a million dollars, how many people times 50 have to yield a, a million right. dollars, right? Yeah. And that's not even the amount of people that you would need to capture. Mm-hmm. So it becomes statistically quite, 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 quite challenging. And in storytelling world, it's not like you can run ads and target random people and have them contribute to your crowdfunding campaign. Like storytelling campaigns typically require an added layer of trust and community connectivity. So so typically the work is way more grassroots and way more like relationship driven. Mm -hmm. There are outliers. There are campaigns that have raised like a couple hundred thousand dollars. But typically that does require some sort of like known entity, either a celebrity who is involved in that process or like an existing, like very robust subscriber base that has already like given money for things. You know, Mm -hmm. those are fewer and far between. Yeah. So So you're finding that like the cap for say a crowdfund ask would be what? Like the cap cap. Yeah. I guess I you would mean, have to know your your sphere of how many people really you're going to multiply yeah, those you really have to. It's a little bit case to case basis. Like depends on your, your, your mailing list and the strength mm-hmm. of that community. But usually I'd say the easiest thing to crowdfund would be anything from like 20 to $60,000. Okay. And when Great. you start to go across that threshold, um, it's not impossible, but you need certain, you need a, a, a more robust support system. Yeah. And then when you, when you get to that six figure mark, that's when it gets pretty tricky. 
Yeah. I think in Kickstarter, the stats are like less than 0.1% are successful for film films, right? Yeah. For, for that, those kinds of numbers. And then again, it's because for to yield that $100,000, you need like a million eyeball reach. Exactly. So let's gear then this conversation towards like the 20 to 60, assuming yeah. that we've created the we have the network of people, the numbers to potentially make this work. Why would I use one? Like, why would I use a Kickstarter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So each have their pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Indiegogo, uh, the model is more whatever you raise, you receive, Mm -hmm. um, which can be good on one hand and can be very challenging on another in that it's easier, it's, it kind of depends on your constitution. It's easier for you to, as a filmmaker, to let yourself a little off the hook if you get like three quarters of your way to your goal. Yeah. That final push can be like, well, I raised this amount of money, like, you know, we'll just work with that. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for you to like not really finish. Okay. And it can be a little challenging. Uh, from a backer perspective, if you don't start strong, if you don't have certain things in place where you have a really strong um, launch, then it's not so credible. Let's say you're 30% funded and you have a week to go. Right. The, the person coming in is like, well, they can't make a feature film with $5,000. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So am I going to really support them? Right. So that can be tricky. Um, there are other ways in which Indiegogo is wonderful and they have um, other support in place for you. But that's just a factor of no, some of this is just like knowing who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Do, um, do I know myself that I'm going to finish no matter what? Or am I going to, do I tend to, to go a little soft on myself, right? So that's just like okay. one thing to keep in mind. Oh, the other thing with Indiegogo, they have uh, projects of all sorts of different you know, they mm-hmm. used to be more story to like indie film, and now they have lots of like you know tech or product products, or yeah, innovation. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think the strength of their client base or whatever is now a little bit more in in that space. Okay, um, so that has shifted. Uh, Student Spark purely dedicated towards filmmakers, storytellers. Um, their model is you have to reach 80% of your fundraising goal to keep your money. Then you're considered greenlit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you keep whatever it is you've raised. Um, but, you know, obviously the goal is to reach 100%. Mm-hmm. So that can be more incentivizing because it's like, okay, there's some pressure involved here. We need to get to at least 80%. Mm-hmm. And it helps the audience to be like, let's help them get there, right? Yeah. Um, and then I guess maybe similarly to the Indiegogo idea, like you have to make sure that you, you know, you finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Seed and Spark now, a, a cool thing that's new is they have a, like a cohort of people that are looking through um, existing campaigns. And if it lines up with their value system, they have some people who are who are putting in almost like grants, right? Like yeah. $1,000 $1, contribution or they get special, special um, contributions like that. So that's really cool. Seed yeah. um, and Spark is, is, has very robust education for filmmakers. Um, and they're pretty like social conscious, which is, mm-hmm. is, is nice. So I find like, 
if you're a female filmmaker, if you fall on the LGBTQ spectrum, if you're a BIPOC filmmaker, um, the ethos of Seed and Spark is very like nurturing of all of that. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Um, where the other two platforms are just like kind of democratic. And then Kickstarter, I think, is the Kickstarter. Right? Kickstarter is like the most famous platform, mm-hmm. most, you know, like globally known. Uh, Kickstarter, you have to reach 100% of your goal to keep your funds. So some people that's like, my nervous system can't handle it. I will yeah. use and like, I cannot like that. Hell no. Right. But it can be very energizing and motivating for yourself and for the audience, because it's like, they have to reach their goal, right? Yeah. So you can really rally people towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it ends up being a, a, a really an asset. Yeah. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you simply someone who has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles, rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we meet virtually together, and you share with me who you are as a human, what you love, dislike, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this, don't worry. And then I go off on my own, and I find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I have been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So... If you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo. I cannot wait to find you monologues you absolutely adore. When you work with a client and they're deciding what crowdsourcing space to use, is it obviously there's like that, you know, the impetus of like, I need to make the thing, my my nervous system can only handle the X, Y, and Z. But what else are the contributing factors? Is it like, okay, I need to prepare on the back end for, um, you know, a indiegogo for like a social media thank you and therefore like all these extra pieces are not in our budget or we don't have the time frame to do that or is it like what like why would i pick one over the other besides just the external clock of 80% or 100% so the external clock is a big big deciding factor um mm-hmm. another factor is platform fees okay. so uh seed and spark so mostly in the past, they all charge the 5% platform fee plus a credit card processing fee, which ends up being about 3%. Mm-hmm. In the past year, Seed and Spark decided to offset that 5% um, platform fee. So if someone comes in as a backer, um, they can add a tip essentially to their contribution and whatever tips ends up being uh, collected collectively and that goes towards their platform fees for all of the filmmakers. Got it. So the filmmaker isn't having to pay that out. 
uh, instead okay. it gets offset. So that is a, a factor of some people's bottom lines, you know, as you're thinking about what do I really need and mm -hmm. that that can be a determining factor. In terms of how much money are you raising, uh, Seed and Spark has tended to favor slightly smaller raises. They have okay. a really high success rate because I think they um, most of their raises are like historically under forty thousand dollars. Okay, and even when you're getting to the like thirty forty k mark, you have to submit a plan of action of like this is this is you know my audience and. Mm. You have to get approval from them in a deeper way. The other platforms, you can kind of put up a thing and, and get approved unless you have something in your in your campaign that's like illegal or like, mm -hmm. you know, very inappropriate somehow. Yeah. Um, Seed and Spark has an extra level of you have to submit the page. They go through it. They say, think about this, 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 mm -hmm. then you have to resubmit it. And then it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's good to go. And if, if you don't have, um, enough of an audience, they're going to say like, we recommend you lower your goal amount. Wow. Okay. Are yeah. there others like sites that I haven't mentioned that aren't these three that people also use? Some people use, have used a platform like GoFundMe, um, mm -hmm. for film. I typically don't love that idea because I feel GoFundMe is better suited for like actual charities. Yeah, exactly. And, and a thing that is one mental shift that I like to impart with my clients is like, you're not a charity, right? Mm -hmm. You're not actually asking for donations either. Mm -hmm. Like this is a contribution. Um, you're, they're receiving something in return of value for right. what you're putting together. So um, so I don't love that association. And also the platform itself hasn't always been as conducive for like storytelling like the others. Yeah. yeah. I think they recently allow now allow you to put a video, but they used to not. And you have to have a video if you're making a film. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that was my next question, which is yeah. like, before I decide, let's say, you know, let's for the sake of this, we'll create an example for the sake of this conversation, right? So let's yeah. say I'm trying to raise $30,000 for a short film uh -huh. and um, I decide to, I'm weighing my different options for my different platforms. I've decided to, you know, I look at my budget and I realize, okay, this one is the one that works best for me. What else am I doing preemptively before I begin the actual crowdfunding itself? Yeah. All the work, <laughs> the crowdfunding. Right, exactly. The actual ask is like, okay, I've prepared. Um, you, and, and most people they'll come, reach out to me. They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to launch like next week or next month even. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how much are you trying to raise? $30,000? Like, I'm sorry, but good luck with that. Right. Um, so usually 90 days of prep is really what you need before a launch. Uh, and when you launch, it's a 30 day raise. Okay. So your whole time frame is like an 120 day experience. Mm -hmm. In these 90 days, why do I need 90 as opposed to 60 or 30? Right. Like, what am I filling my time with? You're filling your time with, so we can work backwards. Like the sure. page itself takes time to build, right? Yeah. Um, not so much time ultimately, but time. The pitch video is very important, right? Mm -hmm. You, you want to make sure that the visual representation of what you're asking for is on the same level of like your potential to create because it's a trust building as well. Mm -hmm. 
So the actual production of your pitch video, you know, just like you want to think, what do I need to shoot that and edit that? So I would say one month putting all of the elements of your page together, right? And that would also include any of the like, you know, gifts that people are giving if you decide to use a platform that has those gifts in place of like you donated X amount of money and I need to do this, like prepping those things also. Yeah, you want to well you want to make those decisions certainly of the perks mm-hmm. that you're going to be offering. The 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 delivery of those things wouldn't occur until you are either like in right. you know well in well on your way. So you don't have to get too worried about like having the actual items in place and in fact um the less amount of physical goods you can promise the better because you want the money to go into the film not like right. some t-shirt that no one gives a fuck about, excuse my yeah. friend. No, it's true. But um <laughs> Yeah, we all know. Unless there, you have a whole branding plan for for the ultimate marketing, and that's you know, and that's going to be something really important for how you mm-hmm. get the word out for your film. But like, yeah. usually, you know, resources are better spent on the actual production. So there are creative ways to tell a story through perks that I love to 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 do when when I'm working with a client of like, how can we get really creative and get the audience involved. Um, and have them receive something meaningful that also connects them back to story and, and you know, and gets them yeah. excited. Are there a couple examples that you have found that you don't mind sharing that you have found to be successful, like perk-wise, that aren't tangible t-shirts or tote bags? I mean, I'll share a couple that I did for my for my sure. story. Great. Um, so uh, there, my my show has some original music in it. And there are some raps, okay? Okay. <laughs> Which is hilarious because look at me. Yeah. Um, but it's also like part of the humor of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I poke fun um, at myself. But for one of the perks, I ended up uh, like composing original raps for the person at that level. Okay. Which was like, again, so absurd and ridiculous. But it's just like fun and people yeah. like that, right? Or another tier, I, I, inside this, inside my story, I actually like write a love letter to Jake Gyllenhaal. And mm-hmm. so, and so. As one does in the privacy of their own home, of course. Yeah. And it's a way longer story that you'll understand at a later time. But, um, so I, so I did custom love letters to people or, okay. um, either for them or on behalf of them to someone else. Okay. Um, and so that really, that was like personal and cool for them. And, and it also just connected them to the theme of, of what I, it was that I was doing and people really appreciated it. So yeah. um, I think the, the biggest takeaway from that concept is crowdfunding is community building and audience mm-hmm. building. And I think we forget as storytellers that the people that are engaging with our quote unquote project Mm-hmm. it's actually like human beings. Exactly. You know, it's not a transactional thing. I think that we're we're programmed into this transactional life lately, you know, um, and how do we remember that uh, living, breathing humans are the people that are engaging with our content? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, how yeah, yeah. And deepen that connection they have to us and the story that we're yeah 
I love the idea that the perks, you know, I think when I think about these perks, it's always like, okay, they have to be really, they have to be really impactful and they have to really, you know, get bigger as the, the gifts get bigger. And it's like, well, we can reframe what bigger means. We can reframe that it means more personal. We can reframe that it means more specific. It doesn't necessarily, Yeah. yeah, again, mean more financially extravagant or physically large. It could be something that is directly in relationship to what we're doing. Love that. Okay. So you're creating the the video that looks in alignment with the product that you're hoping to create. You are getting the website all sorted and settled. What else are we doing? Great. So that's like 15% of the work that you're actually doing in preparation. Cool, cool, cool. So you're going to be planting seeds on social, right? So that you're priming your algorithm in addition mm-hmm. to your audience um, and, and building that out over time so that when you hit launch, you actually have a crowd that is going to see the content that you're putting out. Right. And the act of asking throughout the duration of the campaign, the social media is the proof that things are up and running. And then the actual direct ask, whether that is via your emails or via a phone call or via, you know, DMs or whatever, is the thing that's going to get you the money, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But the likelihood that someone's going to contribute in an in a excited way and in a generous way, I think, increases when that visibility is matched, right? Okay. So it's a real intersection with like the social world and like the the plan to like direct outreach. Got it. So you have in your brain, you know, okay, we are starting to prep 90 days. This is the date that we're aiming to launch the site. Yeah. So obviously the site and everything has to be ready by then for sure. Yeah. But leading up to that, we'll have been on Canva or wherever else we create our content and our reels and whatever. We'll start to selectively put those things into the algorithm so that come a period of time when we are doing the actual direct asks prior to the launching of the site itself, Mm -hmm. these things are already up and running. So that's also now I would imagine another, what, 20% of the work that you're doing is like the Mm -hmm. creation of the marketing social content. Mm-hmm. And okay. and the like filling in whatever hub you are using on social with people too, right? It's like you need to corral them into a space. Okay. Um, so that takes just time to build. Yeah. Um, and the You're other like saying like creating like a, a handle or whatever and like getting followers and all that. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Uh, the other thing keep to keep in mind is depending on the platform you're engaging with, like Facebook, for example. You know, if you if you go from zero to messaging someone all of a sudden or messaging, you know, 50 people in a day, they're going to shut you down. Yeah. Right. So you need to develop a practice of that leading up to uh, a launch so that you're able to, you know, yeah. so that it doesn't think that you're some bot or whatever. OK, I, I know. <laughs> so that's another part of the process. And then okay. you're. Uh, you're organizing contacts in a specific way and preparing communications for those contacts because the first few days of a campaign sets the whole pace for the rest. And so you want to have a very organized launch to ensure you ultimately reach your goal and just to make it easier, right? Like mm-hmm. I had an experience of day one raising 50% of my goal wow. in one day. And I was like, wow. Oh damn. Okay, cool. Like that felt better. Yeah. <laughs> like eking along and driving an anvil up a mountain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
to that point, depending on how much money you want to raise, you are not personally going to be doing all of this by yourself, nor okay. can you, nor should you. So some of the process is also expanding your team. You need people who are also doing this work. And that doesn't mean just like, yeah, I'll repost your social posts a couple times to the campaign. It means you need a couple people also preparing contacts and preparing communications and doing the daily tasks of the crowdfunding campaign in order to source the amount of money that you need. Mm -hmm. um, and on average, for every 5K you want to raise, that would be a person's yield. Okay. Some people have more robust, you know, networks or, you know, you know your situation, but usually a, a part of the prep process is like, okay, cool. I know I need to raise $30,000 to use your example, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. um, that means, again, depending on how strong your list is, that you'd need, you know, you want to do this with five or six people total. So I would, in these 90 days, also reach out to my friends or family or connections being like, hey, I really value you because X, Y, and Z reasons. Here's a little love note. How would you feel about helping me in raising this by reaching out to your network? That kind of ask? Yeah. Or would I have, be, would I have done these reaches prior to these even 90 days? Within with, like within month one, yeah, that would be part of period, that. One of the tasks is to is to understand how much do I need and what kind of a team would I need around me to achieve that. Okay. Do you have a particular method that you have found successful in asking people to be these kinds of ambassadors, or do you just have to like know your relationships and know who you can ask? Because I feel like people surprise you sometimes. I think that's part of it, right? Like, you know. And that's exactly what I was going to say, because it's the same process of asking for funds yeah. and that you actually don't know Correct. who's going to surprise you, who's going to say yes, who's going to say yes generously, and who's going to just not be able to Correct. in this moment of time. And it doesn't mean anything about you. It's mm -hmm. just for whatever reason, like this isn't the right fit for this particular yeah. situation. So some of the work, and I think a big part of now what I'm doing with clients from the get is to really get clear on like vision mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, why this project, why do you, wh why do you want to put all this work into this thing? Like, why does this project matter? What deeply, like sometimes that mm -hmm. sometimes people are like, Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm frustrated with my career. I mean, this was me too, right? Like I'm frustrated mm -hmm. with my career. I want to, I want a calling card for myself, right? Mm -hmm. I want to, I need to do this. Okay. So there's, there are deeper things underneath there that, that, that I help to locate. So yeah. you know, in your bones, right. And also you've selected this particular project to do that. Right. So why this, you could have selected X, Y, Z other stories. 100%. There's something there for you. So how do we get super clear on what that is? And when you're really clear and in alignment with that, that's the like gold from which yeah. everything will spring, right? Because you're going to attract people to say yes to you and to, to say yes to joining your team because of the strength of the passion of the need behind that. Mm -hmm. And you're going and to attract contributors and in a generous way because as you're communicating 
you know, uh, via, via the, the story of the thing, via the pitch video, via the energy behind your ask, mm-hmm. you know, that, that will be felt and uh, your audience will then in turn reciprocate with either money or energy connect the dots yeah. you know mm-hmm. like amplify yeah yeah i love that as like the ultimate thing because you said it so beautifully too of like there are many projects that we could all be doing <laughs> like i think about yeah. in my brain how many idea i am an ideas gal that is who yeah. i am i have thousands of ideas for anything yeah. you give me a prompt and i can run for days like that is my superpower mm-hmm. But ultimately, not everything can be made. And ultimately, also not everything can be made simultaneously. So Mm -hmm. something has to take priority. And if you are choosing to do this one project and you are engaging deeply with your time and energy and resources and also asking of people in your sphere for their time, energy and resources, like knowing that and really getting in touch with the, the feeling around that, I think ultimately is the thing that, yeah, serves you the most. Cause then when it starts to get really hard and the numbers don't start to add up or you get really frustrated or you hit a roadblock, then you come back to like, no, no, no. Like what is the reason I'm actually doing this? Not mm-hmm. because I want somebody to know who I am. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. what about this story speaks to my heart or this moment in time or my community and getting mm-hmm. back in touch with that to reinvigorate you every single time it starts to feel really hard, <laughs> which I think yeah, it probably will. Yeah. Um, so I love that as like the guiding posture through doing all of this. Is mm-hmm. there any other like thing that I didn't ask t- about the 90 day ramp up tactically that like people need to be doing in that period besides the website, the materials, the prepping, the reach outs to the humans who might be in alignment to be part of your team, the social media build to favor the algorithm, any of that? Is there anything else missing in there? That's the core stuff, just like practically speaking. Yeah. And then I would say, just to add additional value to the other piece, the internal workings mm-hmm. that um, you're going to be the most successful if in that time you're really, really doing the inner work necessary to show up fully. Yeah. Because the process too is a big mirror to like all of your insecurities. Insecurities, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And it's totally normal and everyone feels it. Even, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now, and even I was, um, you know, procrastinating a little bit for the other, the other like very small raise I needed to do for the organization, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 um it's human. Um, but the the more you can, and some people don't necessarily know how to do this, right? Which is also where someone like me comes in to help guide you along that. But um, really like the clearing and the coming back and the getting in tune and the envisioning, um, I think some people underestimate the power that that has. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one or the other, like you have to do all of it in mm-hmm. conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. What else is like, if I didn't ask this, uh, this conversation about crowdsourcing would be pointless. Like what else is something that people need to know? Uh, Some people will come to me and be like, okay, cool. So I want to do this thing. And like, will you do it for me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or like, I can just like kind of hire someone to do it for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the answer is 
no. <laughs> it's like missing the points. Yeah. Well, because again, um, you're going to be at the forefront of your own projects. Like people mm-hmm. are saying yes, because not because the, the idea is so cool, mm-hmm. you know, it's in support of you. It's to right. be your patron. It's because they believe in you and your vision. And that requires a, a level of trust that you have with your direct audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so I think, yeah, it's easy to be like, cool, I have this thing and I'm going to like hire this person to do all the prep or all the work and like, you know, check, check, check. Yeah. But then you are missing the point. Um, And that shows me that there's a lot more inner work there that needs to be done. Um, You need to come fully to the table. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I think what we're getting at is the doing of the crowdsourcing is a single method to the way in which one can get money. Like this is a choice to operate in this way. And if you're going to choose to engage in this kind of fundraising, then you need to actually own the fact that like you are the thing. (laughs) And you are funding from many, many people, your community who believe in you. Yeah, And that's not to say that you can't do that from individual donors simultaneously or go in an alternative route to find it. But if one is to engage in a crowdsourcing medium, yeah. that the, the internal work of believing one's own worth, believing in one's project really deeply, getting to the root of all of that, because it ultimately comes down to many people be- also believing in it because that is yeah. what crowdsourcing is. Yeah. That is, that is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. From my experience. And you know, yeah. I don't know, there might be some people out there who are the, who like hire some shit out and do, I don't know, but that's not the type of work that I engage with or see yeah. or am privy to. Yeah. Um, so. No, but I think that's exactly why we have you in the space. You know, obviously there's so much more to unpack here and that's why people can go and, you know, work with you to like really get to know the nitty gritty around it. I think for yeah. me to even just like scratch the surface for people who are thinking of using these kind of platforms and perhaps the ways that they can use them better or more successfully if they are to use them again or why one versus the other, like just even beginning to scratch the surface for me, bringing you on to talk about that is to get to the bottom line of like, this is about ultimately about community, (laughs) ultimately about relationships, and ultimately about looking inwards, although it might be hard and frustrating and difficult and harder at different points than others, um, looking inwards and being like, okay, this is why this has to happen now and through me and being learning to lean into being uncomfortable with um, being seen for you, Mm -hmm. which is hard. Totally. Totally. Yes, yes, yes. And like such valuable experience. Like when you were, when you were saying, I I was just reflecting on one of my last uh, clients, I helped a group of women raise $55,700 for a workshop of a new musical called Truth. And Josie, one of my past clients was like going through this experience. And she's, she was a, like a co-producer uh, she's raised for Broadway stuff, but like mm-hmm. in a different capacity, right? Yeah. In the more investment-based capacity. And she's like, going through this transforms my relationship with money mm. and in my own coaching practice. She's like, 
I know now it's out there. Like the money is out there for me. Right. And, and she, she, she's like, I have a profoundly different relationship to that now. Yeah. A hundred percent. The money exists. I think we've been taught and told, especially as artists that, you know, the scarcity mindset and the staying small, that it doesn't exist and we need to not take up that space or demand or ask Mm -hmm. for what we need. But if you look at any other corporate American industry, like the money exists. It's just a matter of how do we access it in a way that we as storytellers and humans are able to feel comfortable with and also like recognize that the superpower that we have is the accessing of ourselves in a really true, honest, vulnerable way, and then mm-hmm. showing up from that place in order to do it. And if if it's necessary, then doing so through a crowdsourcing medium. But mm-hmm. that has been a really big learning. I know for myself, it's happen- It's popped up so many times in different episodes that we have had just about like money being, you know, really trying to reframe what it is to have access to that and mm-hmm. um, know that it exists and to take it not from a personal perspective anymore. It's like money is, it's a thing. It's not personal. Right. (laughs) I mean, again, it's easier said than done and I'm not great at it, but. um, Yeah. But especially like, just to reflect back what you said, like, especially as artists, especially as women. Yeah. Right. Like it just, there's another layer there that we've been conditioned into Mm -hmm. and it's extra tender. It's, It's tender to ask for help period. 100%. And then you add money on top of that. And then you add money for my art on top of Mm -hmm. that. When we're taught like that, what we do is frivolous or Mm -hmm. whatever. So, and none of that's true. That's all bullshit and lies. Uh But then to really like, you know, untangle that and then step into your own power and authenticity and like, whatever magic that you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a process. Yeah. So for anybody who's thinking of doing it, what would you say is the first thing that right after this podcast they could do for themselves? I would say ask yourself, do I have to tell this story? Mm-hmm. And I got like a little chills when I thought of that. And if it is like, yes, and that's that's enough. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. You know, it's as long as you as long as someone is in alignment with like that desire and need and clarity, then you're you have everything that you need to be successful. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, if anybody wants to hire you to also, after they have this realization, to then put it to <laughs> to put it into fruition and make it um, a reality, what within some of your boundaries are the best ways for people to reach out, to get in contact with you, to work with you, all of that? Yeah. So you can you can follow my antics <laughs> on social media. Um, firstly, uh, and on Instagram, I'm at Melissa Center. Um, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-C-E-N-T-E-R. Um, I've been favoring Instagram lately. I don't know, but I'm also on like Facebook and Twitter periodically and threads, but threads is so weird. I don't know what's going on with threads, you know? So like, I guess mainly Instagram, you may email me at Melissa at crowdfundingforcreatives, spelled out.com. 
That's my like crowdfunding specific personal email. Mm-hmm. And um, totally for all of your listeners, way more than happy to set up um, a complimentary initial consult. Love that. Um, Love to that. discuss projects. Yeah. And see if, you know, where you're at, time frame and what you might be a fit for in terms of how I offer my services. Mm-hmm. And I guess on that front, I'm, I have this kind of cool initiative that is targeted for women. And my goal is to help, at least in this first chunk of it, yeah. <laughs> of the initiative, help 50 women raise 50K for their Each? stories. Each? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like 50 women, 50K. And that's just, uh, for me, at least like an easy, not an easy, but like easy for people to grasp. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, so that's like a, a, a kind of a niche service that I am offering to the, the first 50 women who show up and want to raise 50K. And we can talk about what that looks like. Um, because there's something about asking for that sum of money that requires us to like really step into our full yes to ourselves and our full expansion yeah. and our full capacity to surround ourselves with community. Yeah. That I think is there's something like witchy and womanly. <laughs> in that, that I'm like, yeah. You know, like trying to tap into and encourage. Love it. Um, so yeah, that's like a, a slice of, of, of what I'm offering, but a a new initiative. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being in the space and for sharing these little tidbits to start us all out on stepping into ourselves and our stories and our purposes and our visions and, um, beginning to lean further into the asks that are hard, um, and of the resources that are available, we just need to believe that we um, can find them. (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. If something in this episode resonated with you, and more importantly, if this podcast means something to you, it would mean the most to us if you would leave us a positive review. This means the most in podcast land and allows us to continue creating these episodes for you weekly. If you are not yet doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artists Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artists Collective, more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. If you are seeking some fun, cute merchandise, we have that link for you in the show notes. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep on coming back, and we will be back again next week. Until then. Thank <laughs> you.